Wichita, highlighting the movers and shakers of the Wichita area. With your host, Josh Sears. Welcome to the very first edition of the We Move Wichita podcast. I'm your host, Josh. And before we get started with our guest this evening, I want to go ahead and introduce you to kind of the format of the show and talk a little bit about why uh, we decided that this was an opportunity that we wanted to take. Uh, we've looked a lot. Uh, I've looked a lot and I've kind of asked some questions um, about Wichita lately myself and just kind of seeing all of the uh, small businesses that have uh, sprung up over the course of the last couple years. Uh, I've become kind of enamored with this whole concept of all of these kind of craftsmanship uh, type of businesses or these people that are creating these really cool things um, and these really cool items out there that are kind of handmade, very organic. Um, and I've just started kind of asking myself the question from a business standpoint, whether or not that kind of model is sustainable, how it's sustainable, how we as a society can make it sustainable so that we can start kind of moving away from the big box stores out there in the world or the big businesses and these, these crazy business models um, that, you know, honestly, I just kind of question whether or not uh, we as a society were kind of intended to live and consume that way. And so... Uh, uh, it's been something that's kind of weighed on me pretty heavily. It's been a question that I've asked myself a lot here lately. And so I thought, uh, what better way to kind of explore this uh, than to have a podcast and focus on some of the business owners, some of the people in Wichita that are out doing those things, that are out running those businesses on a daily basis. And it really felt like this was the time to do it. Uh, you've always seen the Keeper of the Plains out in Wichita as kind of the, the, the welcoming mat or the gateway to the city. Uh, it's been there, but over the last few years, there's been this groundswell, uh, this revitalization, this new sense of pride that we've developed in our community. Um, you've seen the Wichita flag kind of spring up all over the place. You've got the uh, you've got the Delano district and all of the uh, growth that's going on there. You've got all of these other um, businesses that are springing up along Douglas. Um, and then also there's a lot of uh, people out there in the community that are doing some really cool things. Uh, I know Bob Lutz. Um, longtime uh, sports editor at the Wichita Eagle and his involvement in his uh, startup of League 42 um, and some of the other things that are going on out there. Uh, I know that there's also some people that are doing some really cool things outside of Wichita that are from this community. And I felt like what there's not really a better way to kind of start recognizing those people and kind of unpacking some of this and exploring some of this than to just sit down and talk to the people that are doing it and that are involved in it. Um, and I'm, I'm very pleased uh, to be here this evening with uh, BJ Hunt. Um, he's one of the owners at Walnut River Brewing. Uh, BJ and I met, we were just talking about this about four years ago, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, I uh, and a partner of mine had started a gravel bike race series in, here in Wichita called Rage Against the Chain Ring. And as we were looking at partners and people that we kind of wanted to try to work with to kind of get their name out there to kind of support us, um, BJ was one of those guys. Walnut River was one of those businesses. And um, 
we had a short conversation. He jumped on board right away. And so um, uh, really have been happy um, and, and couldn't be happier with the support that they've given us. And so as we were thinking about the first guest to have on our show, uh, I thought BJ was a natural fit. Um, like I said, he's the uh, he's one of the owners at Walnut River Brewing. He is uh, head of business operations and uh, I guess head growler washer um, over at the brewery. Uh, he um, has a master's, uh, an executive MBA from uh, Friends University. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, he's uh, he's been in, involved in businesses from a management standpoint and, and from an operational and kind of running those businesses for a long time, some family businesses and, and some other things. So um, he kind of uh, approaches uh, the craft brewing industry from a little bit different perspective. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, I think, probably lend, uh, lended itself nicely to a lot of the success that Walnut River has seen over the last few years. And so um, without further ado, BJ, thanks for being here with us tonight. And uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down and visit with us. Sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And... Um, just kind of uh, tell me a little bit, I, as I was reading on your website, one of the things that came up, and, and I just kind of thought it was funny, um, is uh, it talked about if, if Walnut River Brewing kind of told a story about how they began. Um, it says that uh, you guys would title it, How to Start a Brewery on Craigslist. Talk, <laughs> talk about that and talk about how you know, how you guys got started in those origins and, uh, you know, that, that kind of business model that you guys uh, brought to, uh, to the founding of the company. Sure. Well, so uh, first met Rick Gehring and uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Jeremy Johnson of Johnson's Garden Centers. Nice. He and I did our MBAs together and he introduced Rick and I. Rick was a fantastic brewer. Uh, didn't want to mess with the business. So... He said, well, yeah, well, let's talk. And I thought, well, his, his beer's going to suck, but I'll talk to him. So um, we we definitely chatted, had a beer. It did not suck. Was it was it his beer then? It was okay. his beer, yeah. <laughs> and so we started talking more, um, figured out that, you know, if I do the business and he does the brewing, uh, we might have a pretty good partnership. So we started in, a, uh, in the back of a flea market. In El Dorado, which is where we're still at now. There's just no flea market. Nice. So rent was $150 a month. And uh, kind of that, say, Craigslist mentality, the first bar top we had was uh, a chunk of oak we bought on Craigslist for 60 bucks, And, uh, you know, our first point-of-sale system was a an iPad and, and a doorstop to help flip it over so people could sign. It, it Everything just was... Cost effective, I think, is a great term. Right, right. Uh, because we didn't have a ton of money to spend on it. We just wanted to focus on great beer going out to good people. So at the time, then, uh, you guys still had your day jobs. I mean, this wasn't, oh, a, yeah. I mean, this was kind of more of a, the way I guess I, I've come to understand it, it was more of an organic process. Right. Yeah, we were working 90 hours a week. Okay. So I'm really glad we're all still here. Actually. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, Travis Rohrberg uh, joined in. Okay. And he's uh, the third uh, operating partner. Okay. And he's the uh, microbiologist. So he brought another aspect, and he's a brewer too. He's a great brewer. Um, but he brought another aspect to it that uh, he could take care of all of the, the lab work and uh, anything organism-wise. 
he was on it. So yeah. awesome. Makes a great team. Um, now, are you guys? Uh, are you guys now? You're you're full time uh, there at at Walnut River. You're not. I mean, the day jobs are kind of gone. This is the right. day job, right? This is correct. Nice, nice. And, and so, how long did it take for you to kind of get to that point where you're just like, "Hey, this is this is a sustainable source of income for all of us." Was that a right. year or two? How how long did that take? You know, we did the first year not knowing what was going to happen, right? And uh, we knew we had to be bigger to really make any money out of it for mm-hmm. it to be sustainable. Um, what we weren't sure is how long that would take, but we definitely knew that, um, you know, we had to be on board ourselves. We had to have the bank on board. Most importantly, our wives. Right. We know we were not going anywhere <laughs> without, without their okay. So uh, we, within six weeks of opening, uh, realized that uh, we were woefully inadequate as far as brewing capacity. So we doubled capacity. Um, Six weeks after that, we doubled again. And and then after that, we looked at Rick and said, we're going to need a bigger boat. And uh, so we started working on expansion after that. And uh, so here we are. Nice, nice. And so that's been how long? Uh, when did you guys officially? How uh, how long has it been since you guys officially started as Walnut River Brewing? Then? So this summer we'll have been open to the public for five years. For five years, yeah. So RATC kind of. I mean, we we were. I, we kind of connected both in our infancy. I mean, you guys were exactly. about a year ahead of us, really. Yeah. Um, and I remember that first time that you came out uh, to Stearman Field. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, brought a couple of those kegs and showed up in the Mini Cooper. I think it probably was. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, it, you know, we walked away from that thinking, man, these guys have something in, in here, and this is amazing. And, and you know, I remember I, I've got a couple friends who are big fans of craft beer, and I just remember thinking, this is it. These guys have landed on their calling in life. When you had those troughs that were underneath those keg taps, I, it, it was that cooler, right, that had the taps in it. <laughs> That's and there, right. and there we still those, have that cooler. There were those overflow troughs that were sitting below that thing. Right. And, and at the end of it, when you guys had run out of beer, there were a couple cats just dipping their cups <laughs> into those troughs and just drinking all of that shit out of there. And I'm like, okay, uh, people can't get enough of this. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I thought, man, this is incredible. This is, is really cool. It's really cool to have partnered with these guys. Um and really, it, it almost seemed like a meteoric rise from there because I mean, all of a sudden I start seeing, you know, Warbeard in cans. Um, so, you know, kind of walk me through the timing of that and the process of that as far as, you know, this is our start and then this is where we start kind of. And, and just kind of tell me how you guys uh, kind of went through those kind of stages and in, in the, um, you know, the operational side of getting the business started. Sure. Um, so as far as the, the general timeline, um, you know, in 2013 is when we opened, uh, by 2014, we definitely realized that was when we needed more capacity. We started on a two barrel system, which is 62 gallons at a time, not enough to support bars and whatnot. <clears throat> we did some growler sales, did a lot of growler sales, uh, about 10,000 actually out of the brewery. Wow. Uh, after that, you get on to 14, and uh, we start making plans, uh, talking to the bank. Um, 2015 is around, and 
the beginning of that year, uh, we start tearing up concrete. We start building walls. Uh, by the end of that year, we have uh, gone and actually put in a big 30-barrel brew system. So that was, uh, we, gone, we had gone from 62 gallons at a time to 930. So it uh, certainly makes a difference. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's crazy, but uh, you, you've met Luke. You, now that you know what he looks like, um, you know, it, this, this, you. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, one handsome fellow. Um, it's kind of crazy, but there's so much as far as the background of all of this that kind of ties the three of us that are kind of sitting here in this studio tonight together. And oddly enough, and, and you know, they can say, well, you know, it's just craft beer. It's just whatever. Uh, the branding on your cans. Uh, and we were kind of the same way with, with our race series is, you know, we felt like if we brand this right, if, if we have the right logo, if we have the right name, if we've, if we've sure. got the right presentation, um, then, you know, that's half the battle from a marketing standpoint. And oddly enough, um, Warbeard is my favorite beer on the planet. Absolutely my favorite, <laughs> hands down. Same. Um, <laughs> exactly. And uh, oddly enough, uh, if you look at the can, you've got a dude on there with this big, red, bushy beard. Right. And so I'm sitting there drinking my first can of Warbeard, looking at that logo and at that branding on the can, and oddly enough, Luke and I, the, um, who is the owner of Red Cat Recording, he's the guy that's behind the board here, um, kind of making this happen from a nuts and bolts standpoint. Uh, Luke and I go way, way back to high school and kind of messing around musically with, you know, and kind of little bands that we had and different things. Um, but that can reminded me of Luke because even back then he had this big red beard. And so... <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, I gotta reconnect with this guy. I gotta see what's up. So I look him up <laughs> on Facebook and, you know, we become friends and kind of start chit chatting. So, anyways, oddly enough, um, your beer brings people together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, secretly, anyway. we, we secretly designed that after Luke. Oh, perfect. Perfect. He just doesn't know him. Yeah, right. uh, my, my lawyers are gonna be in touch with him. <laughs> Hundred dollars and some Twinkies take care of it, right? <laughs> or maybe just the Twinkies. There, there you go. <laughs> um, so you're not. I mean, Rick was kind of the guy behind the brewing process, right? And, and so that's that's not you, BJ. And so I guess um, one of the things that I'm curious about um, was it always your dream to be an owner and be a, a partner in a brewery or were you looking as far as from a business standpoint as you know th there's been this explosion in these craft breweries that have, have kind of come about all over the country and oddly enough i don't know why but i just always associate kind of uh sam adams as being kind of the first you know kind of pioneer in that and then you know you've got all these places um you know you've got the boulevards in the kansas city right. you've got the shaftley and all these others um, was it, was the brewery the dream or was it the business model and the fact that the market was uh, prime for a craft brewery here in Wichita? It was a little bit of both. Um, big thing, Rick was great at making beer. I'm pretty good at drinking beer. So we, we make a great team as it is, but I'm into that. Right. Um, but I, I really enjoy business in general. Mm -hmm. Um, some of my other jobs could have also been, you know, scotch 
Turns out I'm in the wrong country for that. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, beer, couldn't really make any great money at fishing. That would be another thing would be fantastic yeah, as well. But exactly. so there are a handful of things that I have to really believe in it to get behind it okay. and, and sell it. And if I if I don't believe in it, there's there's just no way it's going to happen. So there are a handful of things that I felt I could do in business and do well. And this was, certainly was one of them. Awesome. And so, initially, your your kind of direction uh, for the business and for the brewery was to put um, to put the brewery in kind of the Delano district or kind of that downtown district in Wichita, and then you know Jeremy <laughs> introduces you to Rick, right? And Rick's obviously got ties to El Dorado, and you know what he had owned that building or had right. rights to that building for over a decade, so it, it made sense um, from that standpoint for you to be there. Um, but uh, Delano was always kind of, or Wichita yeah. was always kind of the initial vision that you had. Well, that was what was in my heart. You know, I just thought, man, that that is the place to be. And oh, I tell you, um, you know, there are days I kick myself for not starting it down there. But at, at the same time, uh, we went to El Dorado. Ultimately, Rick had bought a building there. Um the prices were great, but the water quality is fantastic. So that was a huge reason for uh, putting the brewery out there. Not that you can't make great beer in Wichita, um, but the water is substantially different. You have to do some treatments to it. Right. So, yeah. And, and there's obviously some people that are doing it. I mean, you, you, for sure. Yeah. It seems like when you look around, and I know it's not the case, and and I know we've not reached critical mass here or anything, but it just, it just seems like. There's a new brewer, and I'm sure Kansas sure. isn't um, unique, and, and Wichita is not unique in this capacity. But it just seems like you hear about a new uh, craft brewery, microbrewery, whatever you want to call it, opening up almost on a monthly basis. Um, is this sustainable at this rate? I, you know, how how does that work itself out? Do you, I mean, have you thought about that? Oh, it's certainly been thought about and talked about it, even at the brewery. Um, there will be a point where it's not sustainable. So far, so good. Um, knock on wood there, right? Um, but at this point, we, uh, you know, Wichita could still stand to take, you know, quite a few more breweries. Um, what that number is, I don't know. Um, if I just had to throw a dart at it, would say, you know, could probably sustain double what we have now. Really? Really? Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, and... Um, I guess that's fascinating to me. That's it's just unbelievable that that, it, but I guess it makes sense, um, you know. And, and from that standpoint, and it's it's crazy to me. And obviously, um, the big uh, kind of massive, uh, you know, hundred pound gorillas out there see the threat because you've got, you know, you've got all of these Anheuser Busch folks and all these big big. Um, you know, beverage producers that are starting to um, try to brand things as far as, you know, this craft kind of brand or they're buying up some of these larger craft breweries that are kind of around the country, around the world. There's They obviously see that there's this movement away from, you know, I, I think Budweiser even did a big advertisement a few years ago, that, you know, 
not your dad's beer, or, you know, we're different or something like that. But <laughs> um, they, there's obviously, now that you say it, something that makes sense because those guys are starting to try to, to some extent, replicate um, the kind of marketing and branding that some of you guys, as far as the craft breweries, are, are you know kind of engaged in on a local basis, right? Yeah, they definitely are. Uh, definitely are trying to do some of the same stuff. Um, we can't comment too much on that, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so, you know, I one of the things, and you mentioned Jeremy Johnson, and and I know Marty, and he's a, a dear friend of mine, and we've met through cycling and other you know kind of ventures that we've through the years, um, they, and Rick was a home brewer. So I guess, I guess the question is, um, or, or kind of the, the thing that's been kind of driving kind of my curiosity a little bit is, um, it's becoming this very pot home brewing is becoming this really, really popular hobby. Right. And, and there's so many people that have, you know, that I hear about that are kind of starting to engage in the home brewing process or, you know, um, uh, where does that start looking or how does that start? And it's probably more of a question for Rick because I know he's the brew, uh, the, the brewer, but um, where or how does that start translating into, you know, I've got a product or, or how would a home brewer say, look, I've got a good product. Um, I, I'm, I'm making good beer. I enjoy it. My friends enjoy it. Um, you know, people love this. Uh, how does that start to, or what are the steps from that standpoint to, okay, maybe I start trying to look into becoming a craft brewer. Um, okay. how, how does that, you know, how does that manifest itself? When it's, uh, when it's more than just your friends that tell you that they like it, then you might need to talk. Your friends are always going to tell you that they love it. Right on. Is there a school out there that you can go to? There is, as a matter of fact, there's several, um, Rick actually went to a school in California, uh, the Brewers Guild, and uh, went went out there, did his certification, actually ended up finishing his internship at uh, River City in Wichita under uh, Dan Norton, who's coincidentally uh, opening his own brewery uh, a couple blocks from River City, uh, hopefully here in the next month or so. So a lot of respect for that guy. Uh, cool. So there's internship programs and everything for absolutely, um, and we have another another brewer on staff, so we're gearing up towards a, not a move to Wichita, but an addition to Wichita at some point here. Um, but we have another brewer on staff at our place who came from the UC Davis program, and he's been brewing about twenty years. Was an engineer uh, for quite a while, and said, "Eh." I'm done with the corporate life. I just want to do what I like. So he works for, you know, like $2 an hour now. works great. <laughs> $2 an hour in Twinkies. Is that the deal? <laughs> hey, you get beer, too. You get beer. Oh, okay, perfect. Beer and Twinkies. I, I think you're good at that point. Hot dog. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that, that I kind of noticed, and, and we kind of talked about it earlier with uh, uh, Warbeard, is the branding. Um, yeah. And the logos for all the beers, the names of all the beers. Um, obviously, with your background, that's a very kind of conscious decision that you guys make as sure. far as that goes. 
talk a little bit about that. How has that evolved? Um, kind of what's your focus? What are you looking at? Um, kind of draw some associations, if you can, for sure. this is the kind of beer we like and this is what we want it to look like when we present it to the public. Right. Well, it, it, we try to focus on, obviously, our strengths. Right. Uh, mine is not brewing. I'll be the first one to tell you that. It's definitely Rick's job to do that. Uh, also, I have a, just a general rule that if it's a beer that's going out to the public, uh, the brewers shouldn't really get to name that because they come up with some dorky names. So, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> Sorry, what's the, what's the dorkiest name? Uh, well, there's heard? one on our board right now called Bunny Hops. I'm like, who the hell came up with Bunny that? Hops. Yeah, no, nobody is drinking Bunny Hops. Bunny, they love it. But the, it, the BMXers it, out Maybe there. on Easter. Well, <laughs> we actually, we call it Bunny Hose because somebody on the uh, tank, they brushed up against it. And uh, the uh, dry erase marker, the P, got partially erased. And I'm like, who the hell's making a beer called Bunny Hose? <laughs> And so I'm like, does that come with like a pimp hand or I don't know. <laughs> and so anyway, I was, I, I was like, well, maybe we should call it bunny hose. But regardless, um, when we start talking about all of the different logos and whatnot, uh, we have changed designers um, throughout this process, but we try to get the same look to it, the same feel, um, particularly on our um Seasonals have a little different feel to it, but our right. core brands, uh, you can see that they're all part of the same family of, yeah. of beers when you look at them. And so that helps people know, because you, you want to emphasize the brand right. more than the company. And so, you know, everybody knows, like, for instance, you know, Hostess makes Twinkies, but Twinkie is the thing that want, they want people to know. They could really care less about Hostess, Hostess. itself. We want people to know Warbeard not necessarily. We want them to know Walnut River, but right. one, but I want you to buy Waterbeard and I want you to buy High Beam. That's our focus. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some some business and art that come together on that, just like there there is in the in the brewing side. So, what was the uh, what was the first beer like? What was the first beer that was kind of released to the public? Then um, was it one of those two, Warbeard or High Beam? Uh, you know, Warbeard was actually right out there, and uh, High As Beam it was should be. right behind it. Yeah. As it should be. Right? I mean, those two are the flagships but for sure. Probably Rick, Rick had called it. Uh, oh, Roughneck Red. I said, Rick, um, we're going to rename that. Just so yeah. you know. And uh, he's like, eh, okay. So Roughnecks probably drink Miller yeah, High Life. Uh, maybe, I mean, yeah. You know, going out on a ledge there, so, but <laughs> when and when uh, I'd first talked with Rick, um, the uh, the company name was Heartland Brewing, and I said, uh, "Did you do a Google search at all on that?" And he goes, uh, "No," which is funny because he's an IT guy by right. trade. Uh, so you know, point seventeen seconds later, uh, there's a Heartland Brewery in New York City. There you go. So I called the old boy. I said, "Hey." Just by chance, because, you know, we don't want to have to reprint shirts because we spent like $700 on them. It was a ton of money. And uh, he said, yeah, I appreciate you calling. Uh, no, you can't use that name. I was like, okay. Um, why are you guys like, I mean, he, he was asking, he's like, why are you guys called Heartland Brewing? I'm like, we're in Kansas. It's kind of the Heartland. And he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you still can't use it. But thanks for calling, man. So we sent him a t-shirt. Hmm. Anyway, and the rest is history. <laughs> That's it. So now it's Walnut River. <laughs> so, so those were the first two. Uh, uh, how many are you, uh, uh, How many different beers are you up to at this point? Well, uh, we have three mainstays. Okay, right now, 
Uh, we'll be producing a fourth one at some point, but uh, slow and steady is kind okay. of our motto on that. The Warbeard, the High Beam, and the Coffee Porter, yep. which are year-round in cans. Um, we do a seasonal, which is every roughly every quarter. It's off a month. Okay. But um, so it was uh, our Maniacal Monk, which I think you had some earlier. Absolutely. And uh, then we've got Teeter Rock Kolsch, which is available on draft year-round, but it's going to be cans from May, June, July. Okay. And then believe it or not, back to August... September, October, we're back to Oktoberfest again, starting in August. Oh, wow. Which yeah. is also great. Thanks. Yeah. That's been a great beer for us. So, right um, on. Yeah. So, um, is the fourth mainstay, and I'm not wanting you to give away any trade secrets or any, is it one of those or is it something else that's in the process of being developed right now? We're working on it. In fact, the, the, you know, the best way to see, most any brew pub, what they're working on, if they do any production at all, uh, their tap room is their lab. Mm-hmm. You know, so they can see by sales what are people are people buying bunny hose, or are they <laughs> uh, you know are, are they like eh, I had one and I'm done with that. So it's a great way to try that out and uh, so, you know see what the market thinks about it. So interesting, and one of the. I guess one of the questions or one of the curiosities that I had, and you kind of you kind of answered that, I guess a little bit, is, um, you know, how do you go about deciding what style of beer um, is kind of next on the agenda or next up to kind of tackle? And so it sounds like a little bit of that is based off of then, like you said, with the tap rooms and everything else. This is what the general public wants. This is what people are asking for. This is what they're enjoying. Um, that experimentation process has to be, I, and Rick probably loves it way more than you, but that, that process has to be a lot of fun to just kind of oh, yeah. work through and, and well, see what's out there. I like drinking the experiments as well. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, you know, we have Uber's number. It's all good. <laughs> right on, right on. What's the best, you know, I was down in uh, Stillwater for a bike race a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, they have, Obviously, the the college there and a lot of college kids that are there for the season and and the school year. Um, uh, what's the best way or, or what's the best inroad to kind of getting a job in a brewery and start? I mean, you know, do you have to be trained? Or are you looking for just people that you know are willing to kind of put elbow grease into a position? What's that look like? Well, it it depends on a small company like ours. Show up and talk to us. Um, you know, don't show up when we're open necessarily right show up when we're running grain out you know to to chuck out in the trailer and you know stand out be different and uh just be excited about what you're doing um that's i mean i think if you go to some of the bigger breweries it you know fill this out online and triplicate blah 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 we just want to know that you're excited to work and you like what you're doing and you can do it. I mean, you right. got to be able to pick some stuff up. Too. Absolutely. So that you know, fifty pound weight restriction—that's more like a hundred and fifty pounds. You need to be able to pick that up. So. Yeah, yeah. You guys have had a, a, an incredibly successful um, kind of first four or five years. What what do you see? What's your vision? What, what when you guys sit down and have a beer together and talk about what Walnut River is going to look like in ten years? Um, you know, what's that vision look like? Where, where do you guys want to be? Um, how do you want to be set up? Do, you know, do you want to be in multiple states? Are you in multiple states right now? Are you, walk me through what that looks like. Sure. Uh, as the scenery changes, as far as the beer front goes, um, I think you're going to notice 
a lot of breweries dive down into their local market even more so. And that would explain why we've been looking for property in Wichita. Again, not to move, but as an additional location for us uh, to really plant ourselves even more so in the Wichita area. Uh, We will continue to grow, say, regionally, not you know, I don't think you're going to see us like tall grass in 18 states, but that may be. They're right. 10 years old. Uh, but, you know, you might be able to see us in the surrounding states. You can already get us in uh, uh, Missouri, clear over to St. Louis. You can get Warbeard. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Tall grass is in Manhattan. Is that right? It is. It's okay. the largest brewery in the state. Okay. And coincidentally, they are the ones that sold us, you know, the canning line that we have. Oh, nice. And uh, Wichita Brewing bought the rest of their other equipment. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we all get along pretty good. Nice. Um, is it kind of, and, and I guess that's a that leads me to another question. Is it this collaboration? I mean, you know, I look. I love Warbeard. Obviously, you know, I sure. try other things when I see him out there from some of the other breweries in town. I, you guys have to be the same way. I mean, for oh, one, yeah. curiosity, and for two, it's just it's good beer. Well, um, I mean, do you guys own... cooperate a lot? Oh I mean, yeah, is absolutely. That, okay. Yeah. In fact, uh, we saw the guys at River City and Wichita Brewing just today. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of times we'll, if they've got a, you know, pallet of beer that they've got to run to Manhattan, we've got room on the truck. We're like, throw it on. No big deal. Nice. So we all get along great. Good deal. That's, I guess, and that's part of it. And, and I guess that's what's so cool about it. And that's what's always fascinated me um, about kind of this small business, this American craftsmanship. Um, people seem to be a lot more collaborative. They seem to be a lot more open to, um, I'd call it, I guess, healthy competition. Sure. You know, I, I mean, I don't think it's ever healthy to kind of, you know, in a capitalist society have just the corner on the market to where you're the only guy on the block. Right. Eventually people are going to kind of rebel against that too. Correct. Um, and so it just seems like it's so much more conducive and again, it's part of my curiosity to the long, long-term long success of the community, uh, the long-term health of the community. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, this is kind of open-ended, but I just think it's fascinating and, and it's just intriguing to me. Sure. And I think, you know, as there are more and more breweries, it, that might deteriorate, unfortunately. Right. Um, but right now, we, we kind of joke and say it's it's like wrestling with your brother. You want to whoop his butt, but you want to do you want him to do well too. I mean, so it's kind of the same, you know, right. kind of the same thing. So, so if you, if you were to tell me, hey, Josh, you, you've got to go out and, and you've got to, you know, you've got to try. Yeah, I know you love Warbeard. I know you love Maniacal Monk. I know High Beam is right there as a close third. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your? I mean, if you're drinking a beer that's not a Walnut River beer right now, what what would be your favorite? What would be number Man, one on your list? That is that is tough. Um, V six from from Wichita Brewing is always very good. Right. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I do love me some ska, the Modus Hopperandi. Yeah, I realize absolutely. that's not as local, but no, it's, it's a stuff, fantastic though. beer. Um, and, and there are lots of, uh, great beers in the community. Uh, some, some barrel aging going on at, uh, uh, Hopping Gnome, mm-hmm. um, Central Standard. I mean, Drop Top Caddy's fantastic if you haven't had that. I don't know if they have it on top right now, but, right. um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of 
good things going on out there. Uh, I know Aeroplanes has uh, kind of gone through a rebranding. Uh, they're changing a few things up. They have a new brewer as okay. well. Okay. Um, third place, they're very small. Um, we, we've tried a few of the products and we see them at, at events. We don't know them as well. Right. Uh, but they're great guys. Okay. Um, so yeah, and there's, there's always more. I know Dan's going to make great beer at Norton's when they open up. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody forgets about Hank out in Cheney. Right. He's the original brew pub. He's the guy, Hank is wiser, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, that's, yeah. I, you know, I talked to him, um, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago on another deal, um, and he's, you know, I mean, uh, it, just a great guy and, and always willing to talk through things with you and just, a you know, always a super guy. And I think he kind of embodies as the original, he kind of embodies the spirit that I've kind of witnessed in all of you guys, which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, the godfather of, of Kansas, uh, craft breweries, right. I guess. <laughs> that and, and, uh, and in River City, of course, I mean, right. they were, geez, they've been here actually longer than anybody. And uh, we've even noticed that their quality has gone even up more so. Up in their game. Just absolutely. I think, you know, it's iron sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they do some great things with uh, sours and some barrel aging as well. Yeah. They had this, uh, at one point, they had this hop infuser thing. Um, oh, yeah. That was in there. And, you know, you mentioned that uh, Maniacal Monk is like nine point something or other. Yeah, nine, um, seven, yeah. ABV. And, um, uh, I remember just that hop infuser and and the um, the alcohol content of that thing after they ran it through the hop was just absolutely off the charts. <laughs> um, anyways, it, it was just you know all this. Um, I guess you know um, where does uh, as an industry where does craft brewing kind of go from here? Man, well, you can't put weed in the beer in Kansas, so. We can't go that direction yet. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I think they're trying that in Colorado. Don't quote me. Right. Um, you know, from here, I think we continue to try new and crazy things. Uh, you know, three years ago, if you'd have said something about a hazy IPA, I would have said, man, you're just lazy. You're not filtering your beer. Yeah. That's the, the newest, biggest craze. That uh, the people have, I'm like, man, and it's cost effective. That's the business, end. right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of my first intros into craft beer was hazed and infused. I think right. out of a brewery out in Colorado somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, kind of an interesting uh, side note, but um, so as things progress for you, and, and as you uh, you mentioned that you're looking for property. In Wichita, and then as you were talking about some of the other breweries and some of the other business models, um, obviously with some of those folks, there's also the restaurant or the food service component and some of those things. Um, is that on the horizon for you guys? Is that something that you're going to try to stay away from? Are you going to actually put another active brewery here in town, or kind of if you can? If you don't sure. want to, that's fine. But yeah, no walk worries. me through what you can. Well, we are going to put another brewery. In. Okay. Um, it will be not a 30 barrel system. It'll right. be, you know, seven or 10 barrel system. Uh, looking at higher end beers. Okay. Uh, barrel aged barley wines, things like that. Nice. Uh, something that you might spend $20 a bottle on. Hmm. Uh, it's going to be some nice stuff. And there will be some food, uh, of course. Now, how much? Uh, we're still debating that. In fact, right. that was a topic of conversation today when we met 
at River City for lunch. Okay. So, yeah. Still working on that. Sweet. We'll put a good burger and a chicken breast steak on there, and I'll be there right? about every day of the week. <laughs> we, uh, right? we are uh, actually uh, lobbying the state right now to get the uh, ABV raised, and it's currently at 12.5%. Okay. We're actually trying to get that pushed up to a little over 18 and uh, oh, we can God. do more. I know, right? Uh, uh, the Uber uh, loves it. <laughs> and uh, there'll be smaller pours, but you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can get into some great barrel aging. And um, in fact, we just recently had our sales guy go. Um, he he took a nice little drive to Kentucky, picked up uh, a few Four Roses barrels. Okay. Directly from the distillery. And... I guess it smelled fantastic in that transit all the way home. Oh, I can imagine. And uh, those are now sitting upstairs and with various beers in them. Nice. And those will be fun to break those out here in a few months. Absolutely. Um, that's that's fantastic. You know, I, I've noticed, um, and, and that's kind of been an interesting play between uh, craft breweries and um, uh, distilleries as oh, far absolutely. as bourbon and scotch. You know, I, I bought... Um, I bought a bottle of Jameson IPA Caskmates a right. couple of weeks ago, and I was like, crap, this is the smoothest stuff I've ever drank. I mean, it is fantastic. And so um, it's just, it's amazing to me that all of these things that, you know, kind of when you had the big dogs on the block that were just kind of interested in doing one thing, and that was making beer, an all-American lager, you didn't have all of these um you know all of these collaborations with these these distilleries and these breweries, and it's all fascinating to me. Um, and the fact that you just told me that there's four roses barrels coming back to Wichita <laughs> makes me a very happy man. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and that's that's where you know that road of craft beer is going. I think the American public has realized that there are more spices than just salt and pepper out there. Yeah, definitely. They're like, oh my God, there's a whole array of things that we can try. And we're not even close to being done trying. I mean, goodness, we're trying stuff, new stuff all the time. It's it's awesome. And I think it's I think it's great to see. And you know, today we're focused um, on this podcast, obviously on the craft brewing industry. But I think it's amazing, and I think it's something to continue to explore as far as craftsmanship in general. And it's something that we've uh, lost focus on. And I don't know that it's a, a historical deal so much as just a, a marketing ploy that we've kind of bought into generationally. And it's really cool to kind of see a little bit of a pushback because honestly, I think that's probably, um, yeah, it's kind of getting back to its roots. All that's good with America is, you know, people that are out there willing to explore things, willing right. to take risk, willing to start these businesses. And, and yeah, I can't applaud you guys enough for what you're doing. And, you know, the fact that there's other breweries out there in Wichita and the fact that you kind of recognize that from an iron sharpens iron standpoint, I think it's all fantastic. I know you're a busy guy. I know you got a lot going no, no on. So, so I don't want to, you know, I could sit here and talk craft beer with you oh, all we night love long. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know we've got to wrap things up and get you out of here. But I appreciate the time, man. I appreciate you coming out. Um, I appreciate all that you guys are doing at Walnut River Brewing. And can't thank you enough for being here, man. And looking forward to, you know, having you on 
episode 100, if it ends up being <laughs> that, and, and talking about where you're at at that point. Uh, definitely keep us in the loop. Keep me in the loop. Let me know um, when those plans to be in Wichita um, proper come to fruition. And we'll have you back on and we'll let you kind of introduce all that and we'll let you talk about that and, and kind of, you know, uh, summarize what's going on with you guys to the general public. But, man, thanks a lot for being here. Can't thank you enough. Um, and, and looking forward to kind of watching you guys continue to grow. Man, really appreciate being here. Thanks, Josh. Hey, you bet, man. Uh, this kind of wraps things up for this podcast. We can't thank you enough for tuning in and listening. Can't thank BJ enough for being here. And uh, all I can tell you now is uh, you've heard kind of what's gone into uh, the process of, of brewing and canning uh, beers like Warbeard, High Beam IPA, the coffee porter that Walnut River Brewing is putting out, um, the Maniacal Monk, which is one of my favorite beers right now at the moment. Uh, go out, check it out. They're in liquor stores everywhere around Wichita. They're in, they've got it on tap at, at a number of different places. Uh, check it out and tune in next time to the We Move Wichita podcast. We Move Wichita is produced by Luke Wallace and Josh Sears. Copyright 2018. Recorded at Red Cat Recording Company. Engineered by Luke Wallace. Intro music by Yellow King. Find them on facebook.com forward slash Yellow King 316. Outro music by Bobby G. We move Wichita.com.